And the title of the message is, Dare to be a Daniel. And before we begin, let's pray. Father, we just uh, are so grateful, Father, for uh, this opportunity to be in your house today. And Lord, um, we just uh, pray as we open the word this morning that uh, you would anoint it to our hearts and our conscience and, um, and uh, just help us, help us to understand greater things about yourself. And Lord, uh, we just uh, uh, commit this time to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. The nation of Israel had a history of compromise and disobedience. Uh, they didn't take the promised land when they were told to, and so they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. They had some success under Joshua, but uh, the tribes and, and, and the tribes got into the land and they divided it peacefully. But after Joshua died, they came under rule, the rule of the judges for 450 years. When a judge died, sin would reach a fever pitch, so God would deliver them to a heathen nation. Then he would raise up a new judge. Finally, he, uh, the nation said, we want a king. So there were a series of kings. You're familiar with, with the first few. Uh, Saul, followed by David, and followed by Solomon. And after Solomon's death, the kingdom was divided, uh, Israel to the north and Judah to the south. Then in 722 B.C., God sent Israel into captivity by the hands of Shalmaneser of Assyria. Now Judah lasted a little while longer, about another hundred years, but rampant idolatry, compromise, and disobedience caused God to send stern warnings from the prophet Jeremiah. Uh, if you would sneak backwards a little bit from Daniel and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 11. Jeremiah chapter 11. And we'll pick it up with verse 9. Jeremiah 11, 9. Jeremiah says, And the Lord said to me, A conspiracy has been found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They have turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers who refused to hear my words, and they have gone after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will surely bring calamity on them, which they will not be able to escape. And though they cry out to me, I will not listen to them. Then the cities of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem will go and cry out to the gods to whom they offer incense, but they will not save them at all in the time of their trouble. For according to the number of your cities were your gods, O Judah, and according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem you have set up altars to that shameful thing, altars to burn incense to Baal. So do not pray for this people, or lift up a cry of prayer for them. 
for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me because of their trouble. Isn't that something in, in verse 14? God says, so do not pray for this people. He tells Jeremiah, do not pray for this people. And that's, that's an amazing request and, and gives us a, an idea of how bad things really were. Do not pray for this people or lift up a cry of prayer for them, for I will not hear them in the time that they cry out to me. They've gone too far, and uh, they're not turning around. Uh, Proverbs 15.29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. And if you'll skip to verse 22, it says uh, here, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will punish them. The young men shall die by the sword. Their sons and their daughters shall die by famine. So Jeremiah warned, but Judah ignored. And in 600 B.C. suffered a terrible defeat at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Thus Judah began a 70-year captivity under his rule. Well, now you can move, flip back to Daniel, if you will. From Jeremiah, we, we zip past Lamentations and Ezekiel, and then you'll be at Daniel, and we'll pick it up in Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Now, this is about 600 B.C., and the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of the eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there was no blemish but good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand, who had ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they might teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Uh, the Chaldeans, that, that, that term Chaldeans, that's a Semitic-speaking nation which was eventually absorbed by Babylon, which is present-day Iraq. Verse 5, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. By the way, can you imagine these four young men, Daniel and his friends? Can you imagine what they're going through? They were raised in, in a godly family uh, in, in Judah, and uh, we're, as we're going to see their godliness, uh, they were not part of the uh, apostasy that was going on there. And they must have been devastated to be yanked out of their, their homeland and find themselves here in a heathen nation like, uh, like this one is. So, um, verse 5 says, And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. This is a three-year training program, and it's going to involve a, a, um, a change to their diet, if Nebuchadnezzar has his way, and um, 
Uh, a lot of things are going to change. And Daniel's mind is beginning to flip around here concerning this because he will not compromise. And this is something that we need to grab a hold of, the fact that Daniel and his friends did not compromise. They were in a completely um, and utterly godless society now, totally different from where they had, been, uh, where they had grown up. So, um, verse 6 says, Now from among those of the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. To them the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. As I already mentioned, no compromise. You know, sometimes we'll, we, we can get our, find ourselves in a situation where God expects us to stand up for what's right. And it's at that time that we cannot compromise. We may have to appeal uh, to get things uh, settled straightly and rightly, but um, we have to look out for, for those, those incidences when uh, we may be uh, on the precipice of, of having to compromise. Um, so, Meshach, uh, uh, um, Belteshazzar, Hananiah, Shadrach, uh, and um, Meshach, and he gave the name to Azariah of Abednego. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile, verse 8, would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now that word defile means to make filthy or to pollute. So Dan, here we're going to see an excellent example of, um, of appealing to a higher authority. And that's sometimes what we're going to have to do in order to avoid having to defile ourselves in certain situations. Now, whether we walk uprightly or become defiled has a lot to do with those with whom we associate. And we have to be careful of this. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Paul says, Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. So we have to be careful um, as we're out there in the world and uh, mixing with people. Many of them are fine. We'll, we'll never, you'll never have a problem with them, but once in a while you can encounter a situation. Now I want to talk for a minute about these names. I have an issue with some of these names, and, and I think when we get done talking about this, I think you will too. Um, I wondered, when I first read this years ago, why he changed their names. I mean, couldn't he learn their names that they had, Nebuchadnezzar, and just go from there? Well, you see, it was all part of the brainwashing. That's what the, that's what the situation was. Not just the food, but their names. All part of the brainwashing. Now, 
I wanted to give you the names of their, 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 their godly names, the list of their godly names and what they mean. And then I want to tell you, the, repeat the names that Nebuchadnezzar gave them, and we'll, we'll take a look at what those mean, and you'll see what, what, where I'm going with this. Daniel, the name Daniel means judge of godliness. That's the name his godly parents gave him. On the other hand, the name Nebuchadnezzar gave him, Belteshazzar, means favored with Baal. It's a heathen name representing a heathen deity. Now, Hananiah's name, given by his parents uh, back in Israel, back in Judah, means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. Shadrach, on the other hand, that Nebuchadnezzar, the name Nebuchadnezzar gave him, means a tender body part. In other words, it's just nondescript. Now, Mishael, his name means what God is, whereas the new name, Meshach, simply means, means who is, another indis, uh, just nondescript name. And finally, Azariah, this one, this one is good. Azariah means Yahweh has helped. That's the name that his godly parents gave, gave him. But Abednego... Nebuchadnezzar's preference for his name means servant of Nabu, a, Bab a, can't say this, a Babylonian deity. Nabu, a Babylonian deity. So, I don't know about you, but I prefer to call these, these young men Belteshazzar, or Daniel rather, and Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Now the names... You'll hear the other names most frequently. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And um, we'll, it's, it's just not uh, the preferred name that uh, I'm sure these, these young men would like to hear for, them, for themselves. Now, uh, we're picking it up in verse 9 here. It says, Now God had brought Daniel into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. So now we not only see Daniel and his friends standing up for what's right and appealing to the chief of the eunuchs concerning this diet, but now God steps up and he does his part. You know, he'll never leave us or forsake us. He's always there orchestrating and uh, we need, to, we need to, to see him and be aware of his presence at all times and uh, be consulting him, if it's possible, uh, to, uh, uh, at any given time. So, uh, God brought Daniel, verse 9, into the favor and goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord the king who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? These fellows' best guests are teenagers, 16, 17, 18 years old. Uh, it takes a lot of maturity here to, to weather through what they're, what they're going to have to go through. So the, the 
chief of the eunuchs says, For why should he see your faces looking worse than the young men who are your age? Then you would endanger my head before the king. So Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the eunuchs had set over, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days and let them give us vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined before you and the appearance of the young men who eat the portion of the king's delicacies. And as you see fit, so deal with your servants. So he consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. Now, I like vegetables. But I don't know if I'd like a steady diet. You know, I need a little something else. You know, a little Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know what I'm saying? Um, so uh, maybe a roast beef sub over at Amel's. Um, you know, I'm, in, I'm into that. But um, these fellows, they're, they're making a, a deal with the chief of the eunuchs uh, to not have to defile themselves. So they have a huge issue to deal with here. And um, so, uh, and Daniel knew that the chief of the eunuchs was going to be a little nervous about this because he could have his head lapped off over this if this didn't work out. So this, he's, peel, uh, he's appealing, Daniel is appealing to a higher authority here. And he did it very well. So um, the chief of the eunuchs says, then you would endanger my head before the king. You know, if this doesn't work out, I'm in big trouble. Now, you know, this passage of scripture, uh, I don't know if, if parents still do it today, but years ago, parents took their children to this passage of scripture and read it to them in an attempt to get them to eat their vegetables. And, um, which is probably why this became so, so well known. All right, um, so, verse 14, the chief of the eunuchs consented with them in this matter and tested them ten days. Verse 15, at the end of the ten days, their features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. Now, how much of this would you attribute to the vegetables, which we know are not fattening food substances, or God's intervention, that they would show up nice and plump after 10 days, and, uh, and better than the, the other men of Babylon there, the other young men. Um, so verse 18, now at the end of the days when the king had said, uh, the king had said that they should be brought in, the chief of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. Then the king interviewed them. And among them all, all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they served before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers who were, who were uh, in all his realm. Thus Daniel continued until the first year of King Cyrus, which is about 60 years down the road here. He continued in this uh, in, in a profitable way uh, in this uh, debauched empire. Now, um, we, we, I, I want to move into uh, chapter 2 here. 
And chapter 2 is very lengthy. So I've taken the, hope you don't mind, I've taken the liberty to paraphrase it a bit. And uh, you just kind of follow along as I, as I buzz through this, because this is an important, uh, important, an important situation that they, uh, Daniel and his friends get themselves into. All right? Now, in the second year of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, he had dreams which troubled him so that he couldn't sleep. So he called the magicians, astrologers, sorcerers, and Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came, and the king said, I've had a dream, and I want to know what it means. So they said, tell us the dream, and we will give the interpretation. The king said, nah-uh, nothing doing. He said, um, make known the dream and its interpretation. Now this is tough. They can take a shot at interpreting the dream and kind of making something up, but to actually tell the king the dream that he had up front. So uh, verse 5, the king said, make known the dream and its interpretation, and you or you shall be cut in pieces. Um, I think that's a, a pretty, uh, uh, pretty strong impetus for them to try something, even though it won't work. So verse 10, the Chaldeans said, only the gods can do that, God's little g. Verse 12, so the king was furious and gave the command to destroy all the wise men of Babylon, including Daniel and his companions. He was going to destroy them too. So Daniel asked the king to give him time, then spoke with Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah that they might seek mercies from the God of heaven concerning this secret. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven and said, I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, for you have made known to us the king's command, the king's demand. I mean, Daniel and his friends' heads were on the line as well. And uh, they were, I'm sure they were willing to, to be a sacrifice here, but it would be to no avail. And uh, so um, God has come through in a big way for them. And he's praising the Lord. So Daniel said to the king, The secret which the king has demanded, the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, and the soothsayers cannot declare to you. And now I'm, I'm down in verse 28. But there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to you what will be in the latter days. There is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Daniel is not going to walk away from representing God, his almighty God. He's going to be right there with it and uh, take every opportunity he can. And uh, I think we need to take a lesson from that. Uh, sometimes we we can slip a little bit on that, on that order. And uh, Daniel's a good reminder as to what, what we ought to be doing and how we ought to go about it. So there's a God in heaven. So he says, um, he, made, he will make known to you what will be in the latter days. Here is your dream and its interpretation. He's going to do both. He's going to Tell him the dream and the interpretation, just like the king requested. So Dan explained it all to the king. And it's this, that image of, of, uh, 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 of a man with the head of gold, which represents the nation of Babylon. You, you, you guys are probably all familiar with this. And the chest, of arms, chest and arms of silver, which is the media Persian empire that took over after uh, and, and defeated Babylon. 
And then the chest and arms of silver, I did that, uh, the belly and thighs of bronze, which is Greece, that power that w would come along, and the legs of iron, which is the Rome, Roman Empire. And finally, the feet, which are partly iron and partly clay. So it's a weakened Roman Empire. And I think with the European Union, when that came on board, I think some of you probably imagined uh, a little bit of that coming on the scene. So then Daniel and his friends are promoted for their prowess here. It says here, Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, prostrate before Daniel, and said, Truly your God, big G, is the God of gods, little g, the Lord of kings and a revealer of secrets. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon. So Daniel has now risen to co-equal with King Nebuchadnezzar. Isn't that amazing? But that's familiar, isn't it? Remember Joseph? Pharaoh elevated him to co-equal with himself because of his integrity and all that he did uh, to help Pharaoh out. Um, so... Verse 48, then the king promoted Daniel and gave many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief administrator over all the wise men of Babylon. Obviously, because he's the wisest. He's proven himself to be so. Of course, with God in the picture, that's the way it's going to happen. Also, Daniel petitioned the king, and he set his friends over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel sat in the gate of the king, which is the, the number one slot. Now, while Daniel was away from the immediate area, the king erected a huge image of gold, an idol of himself. This is not this man that we just described. This is an idol of himself that Nebuchadnezzar is setting up. So, an image of gold, an idol of himself that was to be worshipped. He ordered a dedication of this statue. So, now, if you'd like, you can turn with me to Daniel chapter 3. We've managed to wade through that, that particular uh, lengthy passage of, of uh, chapter 2. Daniel chapter 3, and we'll pick it up with verse 4. So now we're going to have the dedication. And Daniel chapter 3, verse 4 says, Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, in symphony with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Boy, he doesn't fool around, does he? Just checking to see if I skipped a page here. Um, no, I got it. All right. So uh, verse 7 says, so everyone obeyed. Then verse 8, therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They spoke and said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, 
lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now they're going to get to the point. They've reiterated what he already knows. Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, using their heathen names now, because these are heathen people. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you. They do not serve your gods, nor worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready, are ready at the time you hear the sound of, the, of all these instruments, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. Now, these men so far have been dedicated to not compromising. They are not going to compromise one iota. But this is a fearful thing. In the flesh, come on, I mean, you, you realize? In the flesh, just put, our, put ourselves in their position. This is a fearful thing that, we're, that we're, we'd be facing. So, verse 15, now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of all the instruments with all the music and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of of the burning fiery furnace and who is the God little g who will deliver you from my hands well guess right amen alright so there's going to be an answer now from these men Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, he, they, they condescended to the names that he had given to them at this point. They said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I mean, they didn't stutter about it. They didn't hesitate. They said, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, in other words, if this is the way it's going down, we have no need to answer you or... Uh, uh, that if this is the case, God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. I mean, they laid it out there just the way it needed to be. Amen. All right, verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. Oh, that just made him matter. I mean, if they, if they wanted to avoid the furnace, uh, they, they could have gone the other direction and, and condescended a little bit, but they weren't going to do that, and neither should we. He was, he, now he's full of fury, and, the, and the, the expression on his face changed toward these three men. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. This, this is a, an indication of the degree of anger 
that was in Nebuchadnezzar's heart. Verse 20, And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fire, uh, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers and turbans, and their outer, outer garment, other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23, And these three men fell down bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar's certain that's it. That's the end of that problem. Well, not so fast. Verse 24, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Jesus was in there with them. Jesus was in there with them. So Nebuchadnezzar now is going to have a little change of heart. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, God, come out and come here. Come on out of there. So then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments afflicted. Affected, And the smell of the fire was not on them. Not even the smell of the fire was on their clothes. I mean, this is a complete cocoon here. Nothing halfway for God. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God, big G, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies and they sh that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. You know, uh, folks, I just would like to, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks here that, that are going through some things. And you may be one of them. And I would just like to reflect on that a little bit in light of, of what we've just read here. Um, the struggles we walk through are, are many collectively as, as a church body. Uh, we have illness, which can occur at any time and is, is probably present here now among some of you. Death of a loved one. A failed relationship. Financial struggles. Loss of a child. I mean, the list seems endless. And uh, this is not by any means complete. And yet I tell you, as God's children, we never walk through these uh, situations alone. 
Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. The psalmist in Psalm 23 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Yeah, these problems hurt and cause us pain at times. Oh, yes, but with our great God, what is the outcome? Folks, we win. We win. Maybe not in this life, but surely when we see Jesus face to face, we win. And you know, as you struggle, you and I struggle with these problems, remember, Jesus is in that fire. We're in the fire, and Jesus is in that fire with us. Amen. So, uh, let's pray and, and uh, we'll, um, we'll lead up to the end of our service here.